What's interesting about the gospel writers is that uh, in, in every gospel, there are certain stories that are mentioned in all four, and then there are certain things that are only mentioned in each gospel uniquely. And uh, in Mark's gospel account and in John's account, the birth narrative isn't mentioned in a manner of which uh, Matthew mentions or Luke mentions. But standing up by itself, the gospel of John takes it in a completely different and deeper dimension. Because John doesn't start his gospel in Bethlehem. He starts before that. He starts talking about the gospel before Gabriel appears to Mary, about a beginning before the angels speak to the shepherds. John starts way before that. John starts before Mary's birth. John starts before Joseph's birth, and he starts before King David's birth, and he starts before Moses' birth, and he starts before Abraham's birth, and he starts before Adam is even created. Now, the prophets of old described this one that was coming, and they couldn't really grasp the depth of it. Well, not couldn't, they couldn't. They, they couldn't. They tried. Who could have possibly described what we read in Luke? Who could have possibly, possibly described it? Micah mentions, and many of them mention, but Micah says that Israel would be abandoned. Now think of this. This is, this is spoken and written at least five centuries before Jesus of Nazareth is born. And listen to this. Israel will be abandoned until she who is with child bears the child, and then he will come forth for me, whose origins are from the days of eternity. Wow. So John goes back there, and John brings the narrative from an eternal perspective. John is saying he knows the one who is the meaning Isn't there a singer called The Weekend? Jesus is more than The Weekend. Jesus is, right? Jesus doesn't just sit in a closet and then Sunday he gets Jesus-y. Jesus is the reality. Jesus is the subject of all matters. Jesus created matter. So the Apostle John wants us to know that we can find comfort in this life and joy in this life, even if life isn't comfortable and if there isn't one thing in your life that brings joy, you can have and I can have a comfort and a joy that's greater than anything life can bring because he knows the one who is life and preaches him to us. We can live in comfort and no joy, not based on what's going on in the world or going on in our world. As believers, we are made one with the one who made the world. And not only made the world, made the sun, moon, and stars. And not only made the sun, moon, and stars, but made all the suns and all the moons and all the stars. 
in all the galaxies, which they haven't even come to the conclusion of how far they go even now. And so he is telling us comfort and joy comes from a someone, not a something, and that Jesus is the source of everything that exists. And I want to break that down from the first few verses of the Gospel of John as we conclude this series, Comfort and Joy. And John describes Jesus as the life, L-I-F-E, as the life who brings light to the world, that he is the eternal life. And you know what I believe we need to really remind ourselves? Eternal life is not a place. Eternal life is not a destination. Eternal life is a person. This is eternal life, Jesus said, that they may know you, the one true God, and know me, Jesus Christ, whom you've sent He is eternal life. So what does that mean in regarding comfort and joy in our life? Okay, so that's a deep theological thought. Well, how does that come home to me? I want to break down John 1 a little bit here and go into that. If we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if we really have a relationship with Jesus Christ, which is based just totally on you believe him, you're at some level in your life that you Believe him. And he takes your belief and turns it into a massive acceptance. And in that massive acceptance, he does stuff for us and in us and to us, which is all good, by the way. And when we come into that, John describes it as we come into a place of blessing. And he says it's like grace upon grace upon grace. We're going to end with that, but I want to start with that too. Because what does that mean? What does grace upon grace upon grace mean? What does everlasting life look like on Wednesday? What does it mean? What is comfort and joy in my life? You say, you say that you don't have to have the world going right, you don't have to have your world going right, that you can have a comfort and a joy in your life no matter what's going on outside of you, having this relationship. Well, what, is, what why? What, what do we get in this relationship? Oh, I want to break that down. Comfort and joy. We can have it because when we have a relationship with Jesus, we have a relationship with the expressive, passionate communicator. Not a, not a passionate communicator, the, right? It says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. When you read that, if you have any kind of a a background of reading the Bible at all, he's ringing a familiar tone there that takes you in your mind back to the book of Genesis. When you read the book of Genesis in the first verses, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning... Of what? In the beginning of everything that we know that it's created. In that beginning, God did that. But what we see in John is that the one who did that in the Godhead was the Son. Jesus was the one. And so when you read Genesis 1, it's written showing you the start of the beginning of creation. But in contrast, when John begins his gospel, he goes before the beginning. Before the beginning, God was. And before God started a beginning, God was. And so was 
the Word, and the Word was with God, and God and the Word were one. The Word was God. So, whether it was 6,000 years ago, like some theologians and some believers believe, or others who line their belief up with modern geologists and believe, like some scholars of even the Bible believe, that it was billions of years. Regardless of when that was, even if it was billions of years, before the billions of years started, God was. And so was the son who was born and laid in a feed box in a stable in Bethlehem. And this fisherman, one of the first three, John, who was the beloved disciple, says about his Lord that before we began and before time began and before the world began, the one I walked with on the shores of Galilee was God. And what he is trying to say in John 1 is, is this God is a passionate, expressive communicator, and he has always been so. That's why Moses was able to pen in the beginning God, because he had a revelation from the revelator, from the creator, who moved him by the Holy Spirit to begin to write, to reveal himself to us. And God has always been revealing himself to us. He didn't just make things and then stop talking, right? God has revealed himself in creation, He has revealed himself through the words of the prophets. God has revealed himself through the nation of Israel that still, against all odds, exists. Think about that. He has passed the word of God through Israel about his son and the Messiah, who would be the glory of Israel and the light to all the nations, Jesus himself. Our God is an expressive, passionate communicator. He communicates through design. He is a passionate communicator. He's been speaking through the heavens. He speaks through creation. He speaks through the Old Testament history. He speaks through all the scriptures. And someone walked out of those scriptures incarnate of what the prophet said and told us about himself. And one of the nights, the night in which he was betrayed, he said to those who were following him, that they were not to allow their heart to be troubled, that he was comforting them with his word. And he said, not only will you have the word with you, but you'll have the word in you because the one who wrote the word, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, will not only be with you, he will be in you. And when he's in you, he'll do two things. He will bring up in your consciousness the things that I've spoken to you because I'm going to keep reiterating in a living manner in an organic relationship the things I've said to you that you'll pass on to others. And everybody who receives me will receive the same spirit and he'll continue to bring up in your mind the things that I've spoken. And you can find comfort in that. But then he says you can have joy. And then he says you can have my joy in you. And how do you have my joy in you, Jesus said? How do you have my joy? He said, when the Holy Spirit who's in you brings up inside your spirit and your consciousness things that I've asked you to do, and not just statically, not just you read a scripture, you underline and go, oh, I better get around to doing that. Honey, let's, get to, let's, start, let's start to do that. Now, that's good. But it's even more personal than that. It's a living voice speaking. And he's like, if you hear the living voice, which always lines up with the word, and it comes alive in you, that's the Holy Spirit. When you obey that, Obedience is not just I have to. Obedience is I heard so. It's not I have to, it's an I heard so. 
And how do you know if it's God? Because the I heard so will always line up with this book. I'm not going to do the marriage counseling uh, thing, but let me just throw my little piece in there. If you are married to somebody and you hear God tell you to leave them and be married to somebody else, you're not hearing God because the book doesn't say that. So what you hear so that I've heard God say a lot of things from people. Have you heard God say? I've heard people say God told them to do something. God's crazy. God doesn't know what he wants to do. If you, you know, I, I, well, I've been in this for a long time. I've heard God say a lot of things that he never really said. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. But here's the joy. Here's the joy. The joy is this. Jesus said, if you obey my commands, my joy will be in you, and your joy will be complete. It will be the fullest joy you could ever have. Instead of being a fool, saying God told you something, you go do it, and it wasn't God's word. Fullness of joy comes when we do what we hear it lines up with the book, and we fave it. What's a fave? I just make words, I make words up. It's like this. If you go to the swimming pool, and you spend all day there, and you, and you don't get in the water, and you go home, and they say, what would you do today? You went, I went swimming. You really technically didn't. You went to the swimming pool. There are people who go to church, but they don't church. There are people who know the Nicene Creed, they just don't faith it. Faithing is acting upon a belief with a confidence that God is moving in and moving on and moving through your life. For that, you have eternal life. And for that, you know comfort. And for that, you have joy. Knowing a lot of scripture can make you the most miserable person on earth. Before you were dumb and happy, now you're convicted and guilty. Dive in the water, get wet, get some water on that word, and fave it, and Jesus said your joy will be full. Now, that's the first book in this three-book message that I'm preaching today. Secondly, comfort and joy for people who believe in Jesus is this. We are in a relationship with the creative creator. I want you to think about this closely. He didn't stop creating when he stopped creating. Listen to this. In him was Zoe. It is the inextinguishable, never-ending life force. That's different than a Jesus Club card that you get because you pray to prayer with a preacher and never faith. Don't trust your eternal security on a Jesus Club card if you're sitting at the pool and you've never been wet. That's not faith. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines, present tense. The light is active shining in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was the true light, which coming into the world, listen to this, enlightens every man, every person. The light is shining toward every person, and there is a light in every person. Now stay with me on that. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, 
and the world did not know him. So the light shone upon everybody in his day, still does, and the light of God is in every person, even though they're lost in some form, because every person's made in the image of God. But that doesn't make a person right with God. When the earth was with, with, in the beginning, God made the heaven and the earth, heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then God said, what did he say? What was the first thing he said, Bible scholars? Let there be what? Light. Did it happen? And there was light. First thing he made was light because everything comes from light shining on it. Light came through to that formless void and then everything came to life as God's word which began to speak when the light was shining, the spirit activated and out of nothing came everything. Everything. Everything God created started with light coming upon it. You and I not only become someone we could never become apart from him, but we can become creative in many, in many ways only because his creative light continues to enlighten us on the inside. We have a creative creator, and this is comfortable for me, and this brings great joy. There are people who do not walk with Jesus who claim to be enlightened. This is not, I'm not, I don't really, I, I don't want to come across judgmental on this, but, it, but it's true. I, I want to say it true, but I want to say it. I, I, there are people, there are wonderful people in the world, wonderful people in the world, caring people, benevolent people. There are celebrities like this. There are musicians like this. And, and I just watched a, a, a band on TV that I really used to rock out to back in the 70s. I'm not going to say who they were. They were really good, and they did a Christmas special. And they both came out, and, they, 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 and I'm not mocking. They just did this. And you ever see celebrities who kind of do that? or people, You know, it's like, it, it's, it's nice. It's, I don't know. It's like they're just saying, we're praying for you, or God bless you, or the light. And they were talking about the light. We're all, we all have the light. We all have the light. And no disrespect, but Oprah talks about we all have, we have a light. We all follow our light. I'm, I am not trying to judge the, right here, but I just want to make a point. If, if your light... If you're and it's the light of God, but for the light of God to be enhanced that's in you, you have to follow the light of God, right? And 1 John and 2 John is an argument against those who claim to live in light, but their morality doesn't line up with that, who claim to be God's people, but... He says, uh, if you claim to be in the light, but you walk in the darkness, you lie. And you don't live by the truth, right? Because if I'm really enlightened, I'm following Jesus. My enlightenment will look like Christ as I keep faithing. The first time I faith, I might way look not like Jesus. When I came down to that altar that morning... He washed my heart. I felt his forgiveness. But a lot of Tim got up and went home. More Jesus than I knew. 
And you know what? There's a lot of Tim that can come in here on a Saturday or a Sunday or whatever day, and every single day is, you know what I mean? Anyone else like you in here that you have a part of you that, you know, isn't going to, it doesn't come along willingly? Raise your hand. Okay, I didn't, know if I, I, I didn't know if I should resign or not. Everybody else looked at me like, not me. Not me. Fa la 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 la. Um, what's dangerous about thinking you're in the light is that even though it's the light of God, it can become deceptive light when you begin to choose against Christ. And then the light that's in you becomes darker until darkness captures your light. But the good news is, is the light which lightens every man has come into the world, and Jesus is saying to every person, he who follows me, which is what real faith is. There is no, there is no faith that is not in a following mode. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness because he'll have the light of light, right? Right? So, but here's the part I want to I bring out for believers. The light that saves us is creative light. What are we called when we're born again? We are called new creations, right? It's like we have a genesis that happens to us that breaks us free from the bondage into an exodus, and then we exit out of self-absorption and self-paralysis. And as the light shines in us and grows brighter by the day and we walk, the day spring shines on a new path that we didn't even know existed. And he guides our feet. He doesn't guilt our feet. He guides our feet into this pathway of peace. That's comfort. And the joy of discovering things that he brings up in us and lights our path to pursue. The joy of that discovery, the world has never known anything like that. And that's offered to every single person. That is joy unspeakable. That is joy beyond anything we can have. Jesus said, that's what my joy is. When Jesus would see these people come and believe in his Father, it's literally said he rejoiced in his spirit. He said, I thank you, Father. You've revealed these things to the unlearned and the babes. It's for any of us who will be hungry for it. But there's more to that. There are times that you and I, as believers, we can get crusty. We can get stagnant. We can get stale. I say it like this. There was a time where God wanted Jesus of Nazareth to stay nurtured in Nazareth. And he grew up there, right? What's it say about him? And the child grew strong, and the grace of God was on him. He grew in wisdom and stature with God and men. But there was a time that Jesus, if he was going to be known as Savior of the world, had to move out of being Jesus of Nazareth. And there are Christians who are in Nazareth long after the cocoon has dried up and rotted. And there are Christians who want all of the world to come into their Nazareth and want God to reign in the Nazareth and breathe the Spirit in the Nazareth and more breakthroughs in the Nazareth and give us another breakthrough. And God's like, I want to break you out of Nazareth. 
Have you ever heard of Capernaum? My dad, God bless him, used to take me and my sisters on vacay to Shawnee Park, which is this nice little park up around, up around Heinemann somewhere, right? Great park. And I thought it was awesome until we went to Niagara Falls one time. And not to, not to knock Shawnee, but it just doesn't do like Niagara Falls does. It's a little different. It's just a little different. And sometimes we go wow to things that God wants to say, you think that's wow? It's like Nathaniel, I, you saw me under the fig tree, you're the king of Israel. Whoa! He goes, you think? You believe me because I told you? I gave you a Bible verse in church? You're going to see greater things than that. You walk with me, you faith. You faith the light I show you, and it'll be like you see Jacob's ladder with angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. When we live like that, that's what Jesus means when he describes being light in the world. I love how Peterson in the message translation, have you ever read the Bible so many times in the Bible version you use that it's not that it's not impactful, but you've heard it so many times. I just want to shock treatment you this one from the message where it says you're the light of the world. Listen to this. Let me tell you why you're here. You are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. That means they're there and people can't see them, but you can bring them out. How do you bring them out? God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this like a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Be opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up to God. Creativity in Christ. There's no joy greater. We enter by faith, into a land of promises. You have a genesis out of nothing. The Spirit's been waiting on you to say, I believe what God has spoken, and he ignites your life in a genesis. And then he breaks you through by the blood of the Lamb into an exodus. But it's not about wandering in circles. What is it? Why is it? Where's God? Why, God? Why aren't we that? Why? We're heading to a promised land, and we can have promises under our feet even when we have no place to stand. We can have promises that we're waiting on that give us hope when everybody else has lost theirs. We can have a light that constantly shines while we're waiting at the bus stop. And there are times where we're waiting at the bus stop and we have to face the fact there are people that aren't gonna get on your bus for your destiny and it's time for you to get on the bus and go. Because God isn't sending the nations to Nazareth. Is anybody, am I preaching to anyone? I'm not sure. He's not going to bring everything into my Nazareth. Are yours? And sometimes he'll stir up trouble in your Nazareth because that's the only way you'll go. Yeah. So if you're stuck, here's comfort for you. It's called a stick. 
If you're in a nest and you're supposed to fly, sometimes God lovingly sticks you. I thought you loved me. I do. You just won't move. So I had to make you feel the Holy Spirit. And that's why I threw you out and you're falling. That's me. It's not the devil. God wants to break me through. In order to break me through, sometimes he has to break me. Break my brain out. Sometimes I know God so much in my own little Nazareth that he's got to sneak up another way through the road of Samaria. And after I've rebuked the devil 40 times, I realize, oh, sorry, God, I didn't know that was you. Who am I? Am I talking to somebody? Anyone? Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Uh, I just wrote this stuff to myself. You can listen in. Sometimes creativity comes as we step forward. Sometimes creativity is the cart after the horse starts to run. Joy comes from knowing this, that the creative creator has great things in store, but sometimes the store isn't where you are. Sometimes God meets us on the other side of go. And the sign we want to go isn't going to be where we are. The sign's going to be after we go. And he goes, see, that was me all the time. I want to teach you things about listening to my voice. This thing gives you, a, you, we have to walk in a vulnerability before the Lord. All right, let's keep moving. That was my second book. Here's my third book. Comfort and joy. When we are in a relationship with Jesus, he is one of us. He's one of us. And, he's one, and we are one with him. He came to his own. I love that. He looks at us like that. And those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who faith at the pool. Yeah. You know, there are more people that name the name of Jesus Christ who aren't saved than are. Go to work, you'll hear a Maltimore. Gee, I mean, you hear it. There's more people unashamed to say the name that aren't Christians. They don't mean it the way. Right, huh? I, I, un, sadly, I say Jesus Christ all the time. Up to 17, started in second grade, and I wasn't worshiping him. And then I got saved, and I was, I don't want to turn people off by saying Jesus Christ. Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird how boldly heathen can say Jesus Christ and don't even know what they're saying? Ever noticed that? You want to shake up work this week and someone says that, stop everybody and everything and say, man, I didn't know you were a believer. They'll never forget you. Never forget you. Christianity is about a continual becoming. He gives us the right to become, and that's not a one-time thing. It's a continual becoming. Man, I look, I look back at, at part of my life, and I think, man, I had a lot of Jesus, and I didn't have any, any wisdom. I, 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 was a, I was a kid trying to explain uh, uh, Niagara Falls, trying to fit in my Dixie Cup faith, and just throwing it out there, right? 
But as life goes on and, and things happen and things that you believe to happen happen and things you believe to happen don't happen and things you believe that God's gonna do for you, the opposite happens and you have more questions than you have answers and you're not an expert on anything except your own uh, weaknesses. But sometimes the becoming is not about you becoming your image of what a great moral exemplary Christian is. Sometimes becoming is breaking you down so that they can't even see you and can only see him. And when we're going through the breakdown, the enemy comes along and begins to say, this means, bum, 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 bum. Let me show you what it really means. When you're going through the breakdown, the comfort and joy is this, and this is the next book. Bah. We are exposed to limitless grace. In the breakdown, there's a lot of exposure that happens in a Christian's life. T. Austin Sparks, he's another one of those dead guys that wrote great books that nobody reads anymore, but he talked about the school of Christ, and he said, you can see it in the life of the disciples. Come see a man. Peter, you got to come, man. He is the one that Moses wrote about. And so initially you walk with him, and it's like you're so excited. Happy days are here again. I can't believe I've lived. I lived 17 years with a Bible in my room. This is what I said, I used to say. And he's been here all the time, and I got so excited. And I went, I went, I lived out in Bel Air. Where, which way am I? I lived out here. And you know what I did? I was so excited about Jesus. I went to every door in the whole bottom part of Bel Air, every door by myself. Hi, I'm Tim Gregor. Is it all right if I talk to you about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? No, it isn't. Boom. I went to every house. I didn't say that braggingly. I just couldn't help it. I just couldn't help it. Because I couldn't believe that I grew up in a church and didn't know the God who made it. Couldn't believe that I'd heard so many things and it, never, it didn't hit me. And I had to make up for lost time. I had to make up for at least 14 of those 17 years of being a, a church kid knucklehead. And the cross really meant something to me then. And the spirit was in my life and I'd lay on my bed and verses that I didn't even know I knew would come out of my lips. And, and uh, I carried my Bible to Allegheny Community College and weirded out all my friends. Ronnie's back there. I think I went to Ronnie and told him I saw some prophecy preacher on TV that Jesus was coming back next Thursday. I think I went and told Ronnie on Wednesday and we and freaked him completely out, you know. <laughs> No, that's, I'm not kidding you. I was as serious, as, as sincere as I knew how to be, right? Is that what brought you here? I'm just kidding. Jeez. When you, so that was the beginning. And then I go off to Bible school and start learning all this stuff and all these theological opinions and all these people's views and all these, blah. And you're like, I don't know what I believe anymore. I did believe this. When I was back in the youth group at Central, 
I just believe when I heard this guy's opinion, that guy's opinion, this doesn't mean that. All I know now is the things that I thought I believed. They don't mean what I thought they, what do I believe? How do I know? Who do I know? And then I began to hear preachers say what kind of music you could listen to and what kind you couldn't listen to and what kind was anointed and what kind was godly and what kind was spiritual. And then I began to Jimmy Swaggart, what kind of music can I listen to? David Wilkerson, is it okay to listen to Milan Lefevre, Christian rock or not? What a bunch of crap. What a bunch of crap. I threw so many good records away. <laughs> Golly, man. I couldn't hear God from hearing every preacher. I read books till they came out of my ears. I listened to sermons by everybody or brother. I couldn't hear God because I was just, I, was a, I just had so much junk and funk. And then I, and, and, and he's just, all that going on, I couldn't hear God. When you can't hear God, you, you know, and then you get all messed up. And I got messed up and followed weird stuff and, and, uh, and got weird myself and uh, broke down. And I couldn't, I, I got under the law. And I wasn't in grace for a long, long time. And that's a long story. That's six months of preaching. But, but God brought me back to a place where all that stuff broke down in my life and he ripped it all apart to show me that in the rawest place of me, he loved me. And he loves people like that. And he loves people that never go to church like that. And he wants somebody to tell him What I'm talking about is when God could expose all of our stuff to the whole wide world, instead what he'd really love to do for the whole wide world is expose the whole wide world to his limitless grace. And you know what I think? I think that a lot of people that are in the world that are, that are, that are against the judgmental preachers and stuff like that, and the people that are doing that and saying about the light, you know what? And, and then the, 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 the so-called church slams and bams them on it with Bible verses and tweets and all that. Here's what I'm learning. Now, just take it for what it's worth. I am thinking that Jesus is hearing them say, I need a God who loves me in spite of all my stuff. And I think they're even saying this even more. I need a church that after all of the reveal would love me like Jesus would. I think the world has less problem with Jesus than they do us. And what John is saying in this gospel, and I know, hey, if I was out there like 15 years ago and I just heard what I just said, I'd be already going, yeah, but, 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 huh? What about this verse? I'm preaching grace and I got a guy, you know, hey, yeah, but what about the church of Thyatira where Jesus put, okay, there's 6,000 verses on this and there's one verse on this. You know what I mean? That used to be me. That'd be me. 
Nobody could push Jesus away from his feet, my feet, when he wanted to wash them like me with a Bible verse. You know what? There's no comfort in that kind of Christianity, and there's definitely no joy. Good news preachers. God give us a few. Good news preachers. Let the world hear them. Where are they? Where are they? If we're calling ourselves gospel preachers every now and then, then let's get some gospel in our preaching. Somebody amen me. I need to hear that again because the devil just told me I'm a false prophet. But uh, I'm going to close with this. F.B. Meyer, he's gone too. In his book, The Life of Love, he says this, as words utter thought, so do, you know the thing when I preach every week, I leave so much of it out. I leave three quarters of what I want to tell you out. Because I just can't fit it all in. And I've told you less than I want to tell you. But Meyer says, as words utter thought, so does Christ utter God. And he he talks about this Eastern thinker. They found this thing inscribed on a wall back in Egypt. And it was written, he wasn't a believer in God. Here's what he said, behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I can't perceive him. And then he says about when Paul goes into Athens, and he calls, he says, Athens was the brain of the world. And he sees this image erected. And it says they had, they're, they're burnt out on Zeus, they're burnt out on Apollo, they're burnt out on Mars, they're burnt out on Diana, they're burnt out with all of it. And so they erect this <laughs> to the unknown God. Who are you? Right? And John uses the Greek language to say, let me tell you who he is. Greek philosophers, he's the Logos. What you all talk about on on Mars Hill, about what's the meaning, what's the meaning, what's the meaning. And in that light, he says, listen, I was a fisherman with my brother. Angry at the world, both of us could spit vinegar with the best of them. And this man walks down the shore And with our partner, Simon, he tells us, don't just go to the pool. Throw your net in the water. On my word. I know you're an expert. How was your catch last night? And I know I'm a preacher. But throw not only your net out on my word, Throw your whole life out on my word. And let's see what happens. What happened? What happened? They caught so many fish they couldn't, they were afraid their net was going to sink, right? You know what Peter did after that? He gets down on his knees in front of Jesus. And he says, you don't know me. If you knew me, there's no, if you really knew me, There's no way you would be asking me to follow you. 
What does Jesus say? Don't be afraid. I will make you. I will make you. I'll make you. He got exposed to the glory of God. And in his exposure to the glory of God, not understanding grace. And this is what John is trying to say. I'm going to close with this. Next one. Ties it together. John said, you know what? We looked in the face of God. You know what we saw in his face? We saw limitless grace. When they looked in the face of God, Peter is looking in the face of Jesus. He is having a revelation of himself. And the God that he was brought up on, the law of Moses, when God came down on Sinai's mountain, Moses even said, I am trembling with a trembling fear. That's Sinai. That's the law. The law, the law exposes that we aren't what the devil said we'd be if we listen to him. If you listen to me and eat off that tree, even though God said not, if you do, you will become godly because you'll know right from wrong. Well, the only thing that they found out by knowing right from wrong was that they were naked. And so God gave the law to prove Satan a liar. By knowledge, you cannot be godly. So it doesn't matter what the approvable record playlist is. Because you can keep the, Naz the Nazarene one or the Catholic one. You can do all that and not faith. You can go to church on Sunday or Saturday. You can go to prayer meeting on Wednesday night. You can do your devotions and all that and not faith. Hmm. You know what faithing is? And this is everybody. This is separates the, the sheep from the goats. I heard him speak, and I trust his voice. And in spite of all of my wreckage, I'm throwing it all in. The law was God's tool to show us in Adam all die. But the word was made flesh. Moses sees him on the mountain. His face begins to shine. Comes down off the mountain. And the shine is there, but it fades away because the law shine fades away. When we look in the face of Jesus, we don't reflect ourselves. We reflect him. And reflection of Jesus is exactly what the world needs. If I could get everybody that I know to read one book in 2022 and watch one program, the book would be Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, and the program would be The Chosen. If I could get everybody to do those two things. I've read Gentle and Lowly three times since February because I've needed it. Because the subtitle of the book is, 
the heart of Christ for sinners and sufferers, and I've felt like that completely. And here's just a little thing that he said in there. What if the abstract became concrete? What if the heart of God wasn't just something coming down on us from heaven, but something that showed up among us here on earth? What if we saw God's heart not in a prophet telling us words, but in someone telling us he was God's word, the embodiment of all that God wanted to say to us? If Jeremiah 31 is true, when God says that his heart yearns for us, if those words were to get dressed in flesh, what might they look like? They would look like a Middle Eastern carpenter who restored men and women's dignity and humanity and health and conscience through healings, exorcisms, teachings, and I love this, huggings and forgivings. Will you stand? Would you close your eyes and just listen? When we look by faith to God through Jesus Christ, we can see in our imagination what's true. God's face shines in limitless grace. Holy Spirit of God, I thank you that you're hovering in this place. It's the same day as it was when you made the worlds. And the longer we... And the longer we look in the face of limitless grace, that grace will be reflected from our face and from our life to a world that needs to know that God's will is toward them in its favor. Under the law, God told them to create a tent and in the center of that tent, behind the curtain, to make a box. Place in the box the manna, which was the daily heavenly feed, and the stone tablets of the Ten Commandments. Put it in the box. Put a lid on the box. Overlay the whole thing in gold. And on top of that box, craft two golden cherubim with their faces looking down upon that cover of the box. It's called the mercy seat. Under the mercy seat, in the box covered, is the law. God told Moses that he would meet them above that. At that place where the two golden angels are looking at. When Jesus of Nazareth rose from the grave, Mary Magdalene looks in the tomb and at the head and the feet of the slab where the embodiment of the law of God had been laid in the body of Jesus of Nazareth. There are two angels looking straight at it. And you know what they said? He's not here. He told us to tell you to go to a place and there he will meet you. 
We don't go to the law. We don't go to a tomb. We go to a place of the living voice. And when he meets us there, his face is limitless grace. Heavenly Father, I pray for that kid, that person that used to be a kid, that's in this place today like I was. I had heard so many sermons, I could have led a heathen to Christ with the Romans road. I could have done it with a Jack and Coke hidden behind my back. I could have done it after smoking a bag of weed. I could have. And on that morning, I had heard it all until I heard your Holy Spirit sing to me. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. And I felt you in spite of all that I had done and all that I had said about you and all that I had said about Christians and all that I had said about the church and all that I said I would never do in that moment, a magnet that to me seemed impossible to avoid drew my feet into the water. I pray you draw men to you right now, all women, anyone that's backslidden, anyone that's hard, anyone that's so sick of church, they, they can't even, but, they're, but they've never been sick of you. They've just been, not been able to make it congruent. I couldn't either. You know that I sat on a Friday night before that Sunday with my family Bible, my parents' family Bible, as big as a dang, on my, on, on my lap watching Carson. And I looked up and I said, if you're real, where are you? And within 72 hours, you said, hello. I pray that you would do that for somebody that needs something like that desperately in their life or they're never going to be able to. I pray, God, you'd rescue them like you rescued me. And if they're in this room, they'd come to this altar. I pray for brothers and sisters that, like me, know what it's like to have been so sick and tired of losing your way from the childlike, innocent faith that led them to just talk about you and have a song and a story. And then they started following men and listened to opinions, and they're more educated than they've ever been transformed. I pray that would stop today. And I pray a brand new, fresh breath of the Holy Spirit would come and set them free from churchianity, set them free, break every chain of that off their life and make them walk out of here walking and leaping and praising God. And I ask you to do it today in Jesus' name. If you're here and that's you, friend, when Dustin begins to sing, and let, when Dustin begins to play, just, if you're at the pool and you're on the concrete, jump in. Jump in today. Find a place to pray. Get up and walk away and walk to an altar above the mercy seat and find him. Find him fresh, true, full of grace. In Jesus' name.